All right. Good morning, everyone. How are you today? Uh, happy Father's Day, fathers in the room. Uh, I have some dad jokes as well, but they're not even as good as what you've already heard. So I'm just going to spare you guys. I feel like uh, you would appreciate that. Uh, my name is Keaton. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Luke and his family are here today, and we're excited. And somehow you're stuck with me preaching. I don't know. I, uh, I, um, yeah, you drew the short straw this morning, but we're going to get into God's word. Um, I do want to say happy Father's Day to you fathers in the room this morning. Um, we're going to talk about some important parent stuff today, okay? Um, and so first I thought we would start with a picture and a song. So we're going to throw a picture up on the screen for you there. Uh, this is a friend of mine, Julia Discarpentry. Many of you may know her. She is the director for The Call in Selene and Perry Counties. And she had uh, this to say when she made this post. This has been several years ago, I believe. Um, and I know you may not be able to read that there. So I'm going to read the caption she wrote. This is a quote from her daughter. It says, Mom... I don't want to move out when I'm grown up. You haven't teached me the important things I need to know to live by myself yet, like how to eat corn on the cob without squirting it in my eye. You know, it's the essentials and the little things in parenting that we don't think about, but our kids hopefully are going to grow up to adults who can eat corn on the cob and not burn their eyeballs. So it's the little things. And I told you I had a picture and a song, and so I don't know that I agree with all of the uh, theology of this songwriter, Mr. John Mayer, but he wrote a song about parenting that says, Fathers, be good to your daughters, because daughters will love like you do. And he goes on to talk about how those daughters grow up to be mothers, and mothers be good to your daughters too. So if you know that song... It's stuck in your head probably for the rest of the day, and I'm kind of sorry, not sorry about that. All right, let's move on. So we've been in this series called Practical Wisdom from the Book of Proverbs, and today we're going to be talking about fatherly advice. Um, so the first nine chapters of Proverbs, and you'll know this if you've been following along in the reading plan that we've been doing, the first nine chapters are full of about ten speeches from a father to his son, and intermingled in there are four poems about lady wisdom. And so Nick talked last week about some of the truths from lady wisdom. Um, the writer is just kind of personifying this concept, this idea of wisdom by using this metaphor uh, of a woman named lady wisdom. And so we have those things happening in the first part of the book of Proverbs. It's kind of cool because we have this lady wisdom at the beginning of the book, and then many of you will be familiar with the fact that the last chapter in Proverbs is, is a real example of a virtuous woman. And so we have this conceptual metaphor, lady wisdom, kind of at the beginning, and then bookends with the end of the book of Proverbs, this virtuous woman. And so we'll be there in a handful of weeks, uh, but we're going to camp out today in chapter 6 of Proverbs. And I think um, here we will find another woman, and this woman is not so endearing, uh, but we're going to talk about about this a little bit today. I need to start with a confession for you since it's Father's Day and we're going to talk about uh, fatherly advice and parenting. I have the privilege of, uh, of getting to lead worship from time to time for our Celebrate Recovery ministry. Those are my people. 
I love those guys. Um, and every time I do, I stand up before them and tell them, hey, my name's Keaton. I'm a follower of Jesus. But I struggle with pride and with anger. And I have to confess to you guys this morning, that's a real thing I really struggle with. And it's never been more evident in my life than since I became a father. And so I don't know if that just knows everything I'm about to say, but I'm just being honest with you and confessing before you, like, those are my struggles, and they're real. And so we're going to talk about some other struggles today. I felt like you needed to know mine before I dove in. Proverbs chapter 6, let's start reading with verse 20. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. My son, obey your father's commands and don't neglect your mother's instruction. Keep their words always in your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, their counsel will lead you. When you sleep, they will protect you. When you wake up, they will advise you. For their command is a lamp and their instruction a light. Their corrective discipline is the way of life. Verse 24, it will keep you from the immoral woman, from the smooth tongue of a promiscuous woman. Don't lust for her beauty. Don't let her coy glances seduce you, for a prostitute will bring you to poverty, but sleeping with another man's wife will cost you your life. Can a man scoop a flame into his lap and not have his clothes catch on fire? Can he walk on hot coals and not blister his feet? So it is with the man who sleeps with another man's wife. He who embraces her will not go unpunished. Father, this is your word, your precious, holy, inspired word that was penned and protected through the ages. We trust it to be very practical and very supernatural wisdom from you. And so we say, speak, Lord, and we will do our part to listen and obey. Amen. All right, let's look back at the first few verses there. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. He says, my son, obey your father's commands and don't neglect your mother's instruction. And don't neglect your mother's instruction. I have to say that like a hundred times in different words in my house. Stop neglecting your mother's instruction. It's like a Real pet peeve of mine. Just listen to your mama. She's smart and beautiful and great and wonderful. Just do what she says. Anyway, y'all aren't my kids. They'll be here second service and they'll get a finger wagon. <clears throat> uh, keep their words always in your heart. Tie them around your neck. And when you walk, their counsel will lead you. When you sleep, they'll protect you. When you wake up, they'll advise you. For their command is a lamp and their instruction a light. Their corrective discipline is the way of life. And so we have this very positive kind of instruction here from this father to his son. Here's the positive thing. Here's what you are supposed to do. It is wise to listen to the instruction of your parents. And the parents all said, amen. amen. Oh, we need a little wake up something this morning. Amen. So I, uh, in reading that, it sounded very familiar to me to a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I think that's going to be on the screen for us as well. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9. Listen to this, because the Bible says so. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone, 
The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so this is an Old Testament passage and kind of uh, leaning on the culture of the day. But for, there's a lot of really good stuff there that we don't have time to get into this morning. But the point is we kind of have this repeated idea here of listen to the commands of your parents. So you will do well. In our passage we're studying, tie them around your neck. We have this same kind of hearkening back to this idea of tie them around your wrists and your forehead. Um, just, just to be a constant reminder, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, be investing in your kids, teaching them the right way, the ways of the Lord, and kids, be listening, be obeying your parents. It will do well for you. And then in verse 23, their command is a lamp and their instruction a light. So this reminds me of Psalm 119, verse 105, I think will be familiar for you guys. It'll be on the screen as well, I'm pretty sure. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. So the writer of this book, Proverbs, is, is kind of leaning on some verses that this audience would have been familiar with. Very good instruction. And now verse 24 through 29, the tough stuff, right? If you listen to these commands, it will keep you from the immoral woman, from the smooth tongue of a promiscuous woman. Don't lust for her beauty. Don't let her coy glances seduce you. And he goes on to talk about this instruction to his son, like don't be messing around with the prostitutes. Don't be messing around with some other man's wife. And let me just go ahead and say today, we're going to dive into some of this and what I feel like will be the most likely application for us as we're thinking about Father's Day, parenting our children. And, and we've got instruction today, not just for you fathers, but for you mothers as well, for you grandparents, as you're continuing to invest in your family what does this look like for us today? I did not want to talk about this at all. It's not a fun topic, but it's in the text. And that means it's my job. It's your pastor's job to preach the whole word of God. Yes, the rah-rah hoopla stuff, absolutely. The parts that are unpopular, absolutely. The things our culture won't agree with, absolutely. The things that feel like the word of God says, that kind of sharp, piercing blow to our joints and marrow, absolutely. That is our job to proclaim the whole word of God to you. And so we're going to do that because Proverbs chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, those five chapters, this topic comes up four different times. Four times in five chapters, I think that this father deemed it very necessary and important to pass on this information to his son. And so we need to have these tough 
conversations. We need to have these spiritual conversations. We need to talk with our kids and set them up to make wise choices. Last week talked about last week Nick talked about how sometimes we can't just put up roadblocks in front of our kids and and hedge them in and and keep them from all troubling things. Sometimes we've got to trust and let them go into an opportunity to make a hard decision and help them make that hard decision. We can't just shield them from everything. And I think this today, what we're going to talk about is a perfect example of that. We have to have these types of conversations, these type of teaching moments with our kids We need to spend time teaching them to make the right choices and not shy away from tough topics. Over and over again in Proverbs, even today's reading said, fear the Lord, fear the Lord. And we heard already that wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Last week, as Nick was preaching, and I thought, God, I'm not talking about this next week. I'm not doing it. The Holy Spirit, through the the word of God, spoke to my heart and said, do you fear me? Do you fear God? And if so, why are you going to shy away from something I talk about so much? Fathers, mothers, intentionally teach your sons, your children. Because listen, if you don't, they're going to hear it from another teacher. The back of the school bus will be their teacher if you're not their teacher first. Being a dad without being a teacher, that's like being present with your wife in a shopping mall and having a bad attitude about it. How does that work? Have y'all done that? I'm the worst, I'm the worst. I show up and I'm like, I'm here, ain't I? Carrying all your stuff around. And what should I have done? I might as well have stayed home, right? It doesn't work. If you're present but have a poor attitude, it ain't gonna fly. Am I right, guys? Ladies, am I right? See, see? In the same way, being a dad without being a teacher, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. We need to be teaching our children. I wonder why do we shy away from these tough topics? And one of the reasons I think is because of our own failures. We're ashamed or guilty or think we're not worthy because we fail. So who are we to teach our kids? Well, you're the best hope to teach your kid. Listen, I have the best dad on the planet, okay? And I'll argue with any of you over that. He was the tips, I mean the absolute best. If I'm half the dad to my kids that my dad was to me, they will be great, but I'm not, but I'm working on it. My dad had his share of failures, and he was open and honest with myself and my brother about them, and I'm so glad for that. It was tough, I can only imagine but he was open about those failures and we had hard conversations and I'm thankful that he was transparent and real with us. So let's not shy away. Our children, they don't necessarily encounter this immoral or promiscuous woman on the street corner. That's probably not, I'm not saying that can't happen, but realistically, practically, statistically, that's really not what's gonna happen most likely. My fear and what I think is going to happen is that we're going to have to warn them, taking the timeless principles and truths from this word, lifting it from the page and placing it in our context, in our culture, we're going to have to have conversations about these. 
Such a powerful tool, right? Man, so helpful and so good. But can it be so destructive? I want to share some stats with you. And like I said, we're going to get into some nitty-gritty stuff here. And the subject matter is sensitive. And so, listen, if you've got little bitty kids and you need to, like, muffle whatever, I'm not, I don't know. You are the parent. I trust your judgment. Um, But we're going to get into some stats as to why I think we need to be talking about this from this position in our churches today. There's going to be some stuff on the screen as well. Listen to this. 90% of teens and 96% of young adults are either encouraging, accepting, or neutral when they talk about pornography with their friends. 90 and 96%. Listen to this stat. 88% of scenes in pornography films contain acts of physical aggression and another 49% verbal aggression. The next slide. Just 55% of adults that are 25 and older believe that pornography is even wrong. Only 55%. We're going somewhere with this. I want you to hang on with me. In 2018, a study revealed that 57% of teenagers search out pornography at least once a month. And that's the ones that admitted to it in the survey. 57%. Here's why we're having this conversation this morning. The first exposure to pornography among young men is on average 12 years old. 12 years old. Remember what I said about the back of the bus teacher? 71% of teens hide their online behavior from their parents. Not my kid. They're the exception. Yeah, your kid's going to be Cliff Lee too and all this other business. But like 71%. I'm not saying your kid is definitely hiding things. I'm just saying we would all do well to realize we ourselves, our kids, our household, sometimes fall on the average of the bell curve, right? I know I broke some hearts just seeing when I said that, but we're not always the exception to the rule. Listen to this. 56% of, and here's why these stats matter. 56% is the number of people involved in a marriage relationship with someone who is obsessively interested in pornographic websites, 50% of those divorces, that's a huge reason why. 56%. According to the Journal of Adolescent Health, prolonged exposure to pornography led to several things that were tough to hear, but this one really caught my eye. 63 wives were surveyed. 70% of those who were in a relationship with someone who had prolonged exposure to pornography, 70% met the criteria to be diagnosed with post-traumatic stress. 70%. So if I was throwing out those numbers earlier and you thought, yeah, maybe I'm in that camp where I'm agreeable, like no harm, no foul, who cares? It's not affecting anybody but me. There are stats that would tell a different story. There's a shift in reality and in expectation and in what is, what is actually happening in the world. This is a, this is a, 
a mess, guys, that is ruining young men and young women as well and what they think can be expected in a relationship. And not only that, but there are stats that are proven that people who have prolonged exposure to pornography begin to push away from real-life relationships because it's not fulfilling compared to what this is. And guess what? It isn't either. It's like any other addiction. You just crave more and more and more, and you're never satisfied. Again, I don't think our kids are probably, most likely, going to encounter very many prostitutes on the street corner in their life in a way that would be like a real temptation. I could be totally wrong. I don't know. But I do think that what they see on this thing in their pocket or what their friend says, hey, come check this out, and they see it's going to be a tough temptation. And we as parents have got to set our kids up to make the wise choice. Here's what I want to do. I want to convey that I think God is very, very serious about our sin. Very serious. He's a God of tremendous love and he's a God of tremendous wrath. We've seen it. He poured it out on Jesus on the cross of Calvary. He does deal harshly with sin, but he deals with hope for the sinner. And I want to do the same today. Like I told you, my struggles, and, and they're real, are pride and anger. And I know the Lord deals harshly with pride. It's one of the seven things he hates. That'll make you shrink up. He hates it. I'm convinced that God hates sexual sin. And he wants to protect and provide hope for our children who are going to and are struggling with it. He has offered hope. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, past, present, and future. He wants us to have victory in our lives over sin. Even if that victory means that every day we're going to have to constantly battle. Jesus wants us to have victory and that's why he came from heaven and was born of a virgin, Mary. He lived an absolutely perfect, sinless life. He was beaten and mocked. He carried his own torture device up a hill called Calvary. He was nailed to it. He hung there in the middle of the day before all people embarrassed and ashamed they thought he should be. They also thought that if he was really the son of God, he should just come down from that cross. But that wasn't the plan. The plan was for Jesus to be the recipient of the wrath of God on our sins, on your sins, and on my sins. And he willingly hung there. He could have slaughtered everybody in the proximity. He could have just totally destroyed the earth, but he didn't. He stayed there like a sacrificial lamb, the perfect lamb of God. And he really died for my sins and for your sins. And after a few days, he really came back from the dead. Amen, church? Because he is powerful. He can defeat sin, death, hell, and the grave. And he wants us to have victory as well. 
And so if we repent of our sins and say, God, I'm done with this life, I'm turning away, and I want to follow Jesus for the rest of my days, he calls us sons and daughters, and no king wins a war and wants his sons and daughters to be slaughtered. He wants to give us victory over these battles, and we might have to do our fair share and work hard and keep battling every day, but that's the victory that God wants for us to have. That's the victory he wants for our children who are going to struggle with the things they encounter from our culture. And I want to give some practical steps as we close this morning because all of this sounds good and great, but then what, so what do I actually do? What do I actually do? And these are steps I think that are great to be thinking about and preparing to set up for our kids. But listen, these are steps that are great if if this is a struggle for you, if pornography and sexual sin is a struggle for you, listen, I'm glad you're here. I want you here. I've got my own stuff, okay? And I want us to have victory over this. Number one, a practical step, and where I got most all of these statistics from is a program called Covenant Eyes. You can subscribe to this. It's very easy. You just look it up on your phone or in the app store or whatever kind of app store you have on your device, and you just subscribe to this. It's a wonderful accountability and encouraging tool to help. We need to set up guardrails now before we enter into temptation so that we can be prepared to fight these battles and see victory. Number two, when you're tempted to sin, and maybe sinning looks like pulling out this device, instead of going down that road, and I'm not trying to sound weird or corny here, open up the Bible app and read, a, read the Word of God. If you practice fasting when your belly starts to growl, okay, and you haven't eaten, that's when it's time to pray. We substitute the thing that we're being tempted by, and I'm not saying eating is a sin, okay, but if we're in a time of fasting, we're supposed to be focusing on the Lord in lieu of that time that we normally would be eating. And so when we come to that time and we're tempted to give in and to end the fast, we pray. When we're tempted to do something on this device or any other device, may we seek Jesus through his holy word. Engage in the reading plans that our church is encouraging us to do. LifeWay did this study, finding that when Bible engagement reached at least four times per week, viewing pornography dropped by 61%. And you may hear that number and think, well, shoot, I was hoping he would say it vanished completely. Listen, if you struggle with abusing alcohol... And someone said, if you can, and it, it's not a silver bullet, okay, but if someone said, gave out a statistic that said it normally, on average, if you did this, if you engaged with God's word four times a week, that there's a possibility that that temptation and that sin could drop by 61%, you'd lose your mind. That's excellent. And so in the same way, if we will substitute the temptation to sin and engage with God, Again, it's not a guarantee. There's no magic numbers or formula here. The point is we want to regularly engage with God in place of that sin. Tell him how badly that you're tempted and how desperate you need him. Pursue Jesus and find your satisfaction in him. Not in these worldly things that gain our attention. Number three, confess your sins to someone. 
Do you know that's, that's why we're here? Is to rely upon one another. We're not just here to sing. We're not just here to sit and listen. We're here to be the church. James 5.16, to confess our sins to one another because it's through doing that that we can actually experience healing. There's something powerful about being known fully by someone else and fully knowing them. There's accountability. There's strength in numbers. It's not something I have to hide in guilt, but I can say, I'm about to mess up. I need your help. I need you to pray for me. I'm desperate for healing. And when James gives us that verse, it's earlier in that letter he actually talks about sexual immorality. And so I wonder, I wonder if he was on to something there. Number four, have hard conversations with your kids. I know they're uncomfortable, and I know we don't want to do it. But if we're not doing it, somebody else is going to. And do you really want to trust the hard, sensitive subject matter to one of their peers? They don't know nothing about nothing, but they think they know everything. That's a dangerous combination. All right, I was a kid. I went on the back of the bus. I learned how to be a hateful, sorry kid is what I learned back there. I had some good friends, but mostly they were just awful, okay? We... (laughs) I want my kids, and they're not going to be perfect, but I want them to hear it from me first. Guess what? I'm not going to deliver it perfectly. Not a chance. But I want to be the one having those hard conversations with them because I don't want someone else doing it. Kids, listen to your father. Amen. Listen to your mother. Listen to the wisdom of the word of God. Studying the Bible is not just a grown-up thing. If you're a child of the living God, listen, this is his holy word. This is the primary way in which he speaks life to us. Kids, listen to your parents. Listen and read and study the word of God. I want to take just a minute as we wrap up to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to Mallory and our HC Kids volunteers. If you're appreciative of them, would you just let them know? Man. To Nick and Grant and our Holland Chapel student ministry and all those volunteers, same thing. If you're grateful for them. God has blessed us with very, very, very capable just amazing volunteers in those ministries, and I am so, so thankful for them. Here's what I want to say, though. Do not rely solely on those two ministries to shepherd your kids. It is not the job of the church to help mature your children to spiritual maturity. It is our job as parents. Those are supplemental ministries. Those are partnership ministries, and they are excellent in my opinion, but they are no substitute for a good parent. The Proverbs are full of generally true practical wisdom. They're not promises. Train your child up in the way they should go, and when they're older, they won't depart from it. That's great. That's generally true advice, but that is not a promise. There are exceptions to that rule. We've seen them. We know them. There are other books written about those exceptions, in the word of God. But I can tell you something that is maybe not a guarantee, but close to it. If you leave the spiritual development of your child up to just the church, 
I can almost bet you they will turn away when they're older. Children need to have truth modeled before them in order to believe that there's validity to it. They can't just be told things. They need to see things modeled before them. So, fathers, show your sons how to be a man, a good, God-fearing man. What does that look like? Show your daughters what it means to be a good, God-fearing man. Because chances are that one day they'll grow up and they'll seek a relationship with a man, hopefully forever. That doesn't happen all the time, but likely it will. They need to know what a godly man looks like. And kids, listen to your mama, for goodness sakes. Let me pray for us. Father, we're thankful for the victory chants we hear in your word, for the resurrection of our Savior Jesus, and everything hinges on that, and we say thank you. We're thankful that you address the tough things as well, because we need to hear it. We need to be corrected. We need to be convicted. We need to be encouraged and challenged. We need to know good wise, practical advice. And we thank you for giving it to us in your holy word. We pray that we wouldn't be hearers only, but doers of the word. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.